0: Many of you may know this, but uh, maybe you don't that our church is part of a, a national uh, fellowship of churches, family of churches called the Karis Fellowship. Used to go by the, the name Grace Brethren. And, and the last couple of weeks, they've been uh, having some of our national conferences. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, our national conference was down uh, in Florida. This last week, our, our youth conference, Momentum Youth Conference, uh, was out at in Indiana Wesleyan. So if you see some students, dragging in during second service carrying sleeping bags just to act natural okay they're they're making their way back from from Indiana uh but but this time of the year every year I love to try and catch someone that's been at those conferences uh coming back across the country and and just let us hear from uh someone in our family uh, I want you to know your extended cousins all right so this is just like uh a chance to uh, to meet one of your cousins so I asked my friend uh Dane to to come today he's here with his wife Anna and their their family uh I've known Dane uh gosh since he was in college we were we're student pastors together, and he is now a church planner uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. And so I won't steal his intro. I'll let him tell you more about himself. Uh, but I want you to know that this is someone from our family, someone that we love dearly, and someone I'm excited for us to hear from today as he teaches from God's Word. So uh, this is Dane Carraway, and when he comes up here, uh, let's make sure we're doing active listening. Smile at him like you love him. Uh, even if you don't know what he's talking about, just smile and nod your head and make him feel really good, all right? This is my buddy, Dane Carraway.
1: Hey good morning everybody how y'all feeling Good. Uh, listen, I am so happy to be here. Uh, this is not my first time at movement. Uh, like Mark said, when we were going back and forth across the country, uh, I kind of make this a point, a place that I want to stop in to see, uh, this guy. Um, like he said, my name is Dane and, um, um, my whole family is here. My, my boys are over in, uh, movement kids and my, uh, baby girl is sitting right here. My wife, Anna is here as well. Um, as a matter of fact, just throw a picture on there because you could see that they're a lot better looking, uh, than I am. Um, if it, if it works, that's us, uh, we love us some Disney, and that's us at Disney a couple a couple years ago. We don't worship it, but we kind of come close sometimes, I'm not going to lie. Um, so that's Cole, he's a nine-year-old, um, Chase, who is seven, and Camilla Grace, who is five. So um, we are so happy to be here. And let me tell you just a little bit about our story and my connection with Mark. Um, he was very gracious, but uh, Mark is one of the coolest guys in our fellowship. That may be shocking, and you may be like, man, we are a part of a really like boring fellowship, but, um, he's always been one, one to two steps ahead of me in life. Right. And, um, so as I was coming into youth ministry, he was one of the first folks that welcomed me in and, you know, I'm um, just, uh, was willing to share and invited me in to do things. And, you know, I just always appreciated that about him. And, um, when he got into, uh, getting started with movement church, that was something that I saw and I just had questions about, um, we, me and my wife, we would say early on that we thought this is something that God may do. But to be honest with you, we ran from it. And we were like, I want to be a youth pastor. For life, like I want to be the eighty-year-old guy at at, at Momentum, sitting by the bathroom, handing out mints. Like that—that—that's—that's that's what I thought God's plan was for my life. So, as we got started, as we were, um, I'm thinking about this. He shared a lot with me. He invited me here a couple times. It was probably like who's Mark's weird cousin sitting over here. You probably saw me a couple times. Um, I got a couple movement <laughs> shirts, but um, at, we went through a time in 2017. We were about five years into. Um, youth ministry, and we had a horrible situation happen. We had a student actually um, uh, be uh, shot and killed, and um, that was when God kind of prompted me to not just be a youth pastor, but kind of pastor our church through it. It was tragic. It was sudden. It was a weird thing, and um, even our staff was kind of looking towards me to, to, you know, Pastor us through that that horrible time, and um, we came on the other side of that. Our pastor said, "Dan, you need to take some time off. You've been running rampant from the time that it happened to the funeral. I think you need to take some time." And he gave me a devotional that I could, you know, use for the week or, or so off that I had to just kind of, you know, uh, regenerate or or just take a breather. And in that devotional, it told me um, that. You should give thanks or you should honor those who have been a step ahead of you in life. You should honor those who have kind of um, uh, encouraged you and that you've looked to and you've followed as They followed Jesus. So the first person that came to my mind was Mark R. Trip. And I texted him, and I said, hey, Mark, I don't know if you remember this. I said, hey, Mark, I just want to tell you, man, that I appreciate your position in my life. You, you know, you've always been somebody that I've looked to, and um, I just want to say thank you. And if you know Mark, he's very bad at taking compliments. Um, and I texted him that he says, thanks, man. By the way, I've been praying for you, too. It's time to plant a church. <laughs> How many of you know that's exactly what Mark probably said? <laughs> and... You know, he said that he said that before, and we, like I said, we always ran from it. But for I guess just in this space and in this timing, God just said, you know what? It's time to start asking questions, and that was the first time that we considered um, this path of church at the well. So. and he has been like just a constant believer. He was the first person to think that we were crazy in what we're doing and obviously what you guys have built here. So uh, I just want to kind of say in front of your church family and, and this, Mark, I love you and I appreciate you and I thank you so much for um, being the first encouragers, whatever, of, of our path and i planning church at the well and um, your church. If you ever guys make it to Baltimore, I encourage you to come and visit us. And we're in Towson, Maryland. We're the well Baltimore, not a plug, but most so because it'll be comfortable because we've stolen a lot of you from you guys. You're going to be like, huh, that sounds like how we would say it, because it is. So um, you would feel comfortable if you're ever on the East Coast and you want to go to church. So that's enough about us um, and our church. That's Church of the West, our logo. Um, so I, I, I understand that you guys have been going through this series called Summer of Wisdom. And um, the passage that I got was uh, Proverbs 23, verses 20 through 21. I believe that there are Bibles around your seats. If you want to turn there and look there, where that's the passage we're going to be. I have to admit that this is coming at a weird time and theme, because as Mark talked about, this is the time of summer that our fellowship visits each other and we get together. And the, the theme that I've found over these last couple of weeks is that people are uh, just pointing to me and telling me it's time to get in shape. It's changed my eating habits because of this passage and other comments that people have made, but we're not going to get into that. We're going to focus on this passage this morning. Okay, so we're in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 20 and 21. It reads like this do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty, and too much sleep clothes them in rags. Okay? So, obviously, if you guys have been going through Proverbs, you know you get these, like, short phrases. You get these these little bits of, of wisdom, but they're they're heavy. They mean so much. We, we can chew on them for, you know, for the whole day or for the whole week. If you've done, like, a challenge where you do 31 days in Proverbs, you know that you, if you have one in the morning that you're probably chewing on that thing until the end of the day. And this is one of these passages that I think it happens, and it has words that we just don't use every day, like the word "corral[s]." How many times have you used the word "carouse" this week? Maybe you just have an awesome vocabulary, but um, the word "carouse" is the idea of enjoy riotous drinking, right? Now I know you guys like you are at the mecca of college football. I'm actually, my wife graduated from the Ohio State University. I just got some credibility in the room. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that works out. Um, um, and, and this is something that probably happens probably happens. The idea of enjoying riotous drinking, but then um, uh, the writer not just says uh, the idea of carouse, do not carouse, but it points to, to whom? It says drunkards. Now, obviously, we all probably can get on this definition quickly. A person who is habitually drunk. And and here's the idea that, that we do not carouse with drunkards is you can't do what they do. It's not saying, hey, you got to hate them. Hey, you got to judge them. Hey, you got to stay away from them. It's saying, hey, listen, this is what they make a habit of doing. You can't do what they do. And this as believers, I want us to, to kind of see this, that if we're to be a folks that are on mission, if we're to be people that are looking and, and trying to awaken people back to the gospel and, and render them back to God, I love your mission statement. If we're a, 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 people that are a movement of people towards lost people, towards people who are far from God, we can't do what they do. We can happen to have the same habits that those who are far from God have. So the idea of we cannot, do not carouse with drunkards. And then it has this this other word that, you know, that I feel attacked a bit, the the idea of gluttons. Now, I don't consider myself a glutton. I'm just a boy who just loves food. You know what I'm saying? I I believe firmly in the word of God, and I believe that God has given us things to enjoy, and I'm going to worship. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's... That's just where I'm at, but I'm challenged by this, and we're we're going to talk about this, and we're going to see the difference, and we're going to see how even like something like this in in our attitude towards food, um, and even towards alcohol, how like if we approach it in the wrong way, how it can lead into sin, especially in other areas of our life. So the idea of gluttons, um, the playwright George Bernard Shaw wrote, there is no love sincerer than the love of food. Right, Um, uh, that may be true in some people, in which case they may be guilty of gluttony—the habit of eating immoderately. But the love of of food should never be allowed to become disproportionate to the love of other more important things. You see what I'm saying? Like like that. There's just whether it be food or whether it be other things we we can see this and we can kind of get along with the attitude of how we should approach this gluttony is eating in excess in excess you know it's just the idea of i could have enough or uh, this is enough that i can enjoy god has given me this but i have decided that my desire is more important than what i need and what i should have Aquinas defined gluttony as an inordinate desire for food and drink that goes beyond reasonableness, beyond reason, and therefore departs from goodness. Can I just tell you guys about your, past, your pastor and how he shames people? So we're at Momentum, <laughs> we're at Momentum Youth Conference. This is his own fault. We're at Momentum Youth Conference uh, this past week. And, and, and because it's a youth conference, they just have things at awkward times. It's on teenage time. How many of y'all know about teenage time? Like, to where the most exciting things is on the time when us adults in our, in our 30s and 40s, we're trying to wind down. So we got to eat dinner at like five. And then, you know, a session's over, and we're like, I'm still a little bit hungry. So we're, go- we're going out, and Mark said, like, let's go out for a nice ice cream. And I'm over here like, hey, um, this boy ain't had nothing to eat since five o'clock. I'm looking at that cheeseburger. You could have that. You could have that ice cream. And we're in the line. And as I'm ordering the food, he's like, "Dane, you're gonna be preaching at my church about gluttony. Should you really have that burger?" <laughs> That's your pastor. It's your pastor. And I ordered that burger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God's still working on me. He's working on me like he's working in you. Amen. Um, but the idea that you know. Gluttony usually is signs to traits that we should want nothing to do with as believers, right? And this is what I'm saying. like It's not so much about just that one thing, but when we have an undesirable or something that God would not be pleased with in one area of our life, we got to be careful because it probably leaks into other areas. When we have a bad attitude or we don't have a resolve towards specific areas in our life, it probably shows up in other areas whether we like to admit it or not. Gluttony can be seen as a form of greed. A selfish desire for something which is definitely sin. Jesus warned us to guard ourselves against all kinds of greed. Luke 12, 15 says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measurably by how much you own. Gluttony can be seen as a lack of self-control. And self-control is a quality that believers are to pursue. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6 says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. See, gluttony can be seen as a lack of self-control. And finally, gluttony is a sin because it gives too high priority to a physical desire. So maybe your thing is not food, but I just want you to think that if there's anything, like just how we can put this and we can kind of see if there's, any symb- if there's any synonyms in our lives that when we desire something and we put it above, our, above everything else, you know what that thing is. Like, I, I just, because I really need this. I joke with my mom all the time because uh, she was like, Dane, where are you at when I'm coming to her house? She's like, okay, so that means that you're gonna pass by the Sonic and I really leave me a limeade. Y'all got Sonics out here, it's Ohio. Y'all got different restaurants, don't you? Don't worry about that. It's a really good drink, okay? Um, But she's like, "I I really need that. Do you, do you really need it? It's okay that you desire it, God created it. But do you need it? Do you need that desire? It's a question that we have to consider. First um, Corinthians 9.27 says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Paul is equating his ability to, to not give in to the desires of his flesh with his qualifications for ministry. Man, That's crazy. Like, when was the last time you heard about a church, like, disqualifying a pastor because he just, he could not get over his desire for food? We're kind of like, just push this one to the, to the side. And we know our pastor is about five, 500 pounds and, like, it preaches with a cheeseburger in his hand, but he brings the good word. No, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have self-control, right? Uh, um, the, the Apostle Paul equated the idea of taking care of our bodies to his eligibility to do ministry. And then, like further on in this verse, this idea of too much sleep. It says in the passage, Do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty, and too much sleep clothes them in rags. In other translations, the word here is drowsiness. I don't know about you, but when I'm drowsy, I'm basically ineffective. It's hard for me to be at my best when I'm drowsy. And what the writer is saying here is, you, you don't want to be here because you're not able to operate in the best version of who God wants you to be. This idea of being drowsy. Drowsiness leads to laziness and to poverty. This passage mentions specifically gluttons and drunkards, but it can be useful for anyone dominated by urges and their appetites. Um, as followers of Jesus, Galatians tells us that we can't indulge in our flesh. This is what it's saying. Galatians five thirteen says, "For for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love." Here's our big idea this morning. Can I can I give you a, an idea of how we should focus on this passage? Jesus sustains and satisfies. There are things that you want, and you're like, this, this will bring satisfaction to me. It is a Sunday in, in, in beautiful Hilliard, Ohio, and you probably could think of about five things that you say, you know what would be great before I go back to work tomorrow and list it, but do you need those things? Is anything that you could do, is any picture of, of what would make your day great, would make the perfect meal, would make the perfect situation that you would think would be satisfying, has it satisfied, it, satisfied you more than your relationship with Jesus? And we're just talking about satisfaction. By the way, what sustained you? You know that you've eaten something horrible. I did this at Momentum, where you ate it, and the minute after you ate it, you're like, now I feel like the dead animal that I just ate. (laughs) Feel good about it? What sustains you? What's going to keep you running? Um, Yesterday at Momentum, um, they had a 5K, and um, me and Mark went out because we wanted to watch Malachi run, and you know, I, I, what I've heard about runners is that you have to carb load before you run. I don't do a lot of running, so I, I'm guessing. You could nod along with me if I'm saying the right thing. But, like, the reason why you do this is because you need that to, to burn off the energy, like, so you can run longer and you can run better uh, in a race, right? Um, that's sustaining power. Jesus is the only thing that's going to sustain you, and it's going to satisfy you. And sometimes we trick ourselves, or because we're not focused, or because we're drowsy, we don't understand, and we lose sight of the fact that and we think that anything else, whether it be food, whether it be drinks, whether it just be whatever our own desires are, and we think that'll sustain us, and it'll satisfy us. And it might for a little while, but then it comes that sustained part. How long-lasting is it? Here's my question for you. I got two questions, and then I I got some like an encouragement for us. First question is this We got to consider what are we missing? What are you missing? When you think about Uh, uh, what this passage is saying, it it tells us, do not carouse, do not hang out with, do not be with them, do not do what they're doing, do not carouse with the drunkards or feast with the gluttons. So it kind of points to the activity and the people who will be doing the activity, right? My question for you is, is what are you missing? If this is where we see people are at and what we're doing as believers, we got to see the long picture. We have this idea of the long game, that when we see people doing things and, and we see that, well, hopefully we can see the, the end result of it. Has anyone benefited? Has anyone, you know, you ever seen like, man, like, they are, they are blackout drunk over there. I guarantee they're going to have a fantastic morning the next morning. <laughs> or the, <laughs> This was mine. Um, um, my fam- one of my, uh, my parents, uh, one of my, uh, my stepdad was still alive and my mom, one of their favorite places to go um, was New Orleans. Anybody eat their way through New Orleans before? Okay, you all need to do that so you can understand how good God is. There's some fantastic food down in New Orleans. There's some other stuff in New Orleans, but just eat and stay on this side of the French Quarter and you'll be straight. But um, uh, there's this restaurant down there. I believe the best restaurant in the United States. I haven't been that far out of the country, but at least, you know, in the South. It's called the Court of Two Sisters. And here's what's cool about this, and you're not going to believe this. Would you believe that one of the best restaurants in our country is a buffet? It usually doesn't happen that way. But here's why it's cool. Every 15 minutes, a guy rings like a New Orleans bell and walks around and says, hey, we took this thing off the line and we replaced it with this new dish. So everything's fresh. And every 15 minutes, they take something off and they put something on. Me and my family ate here for three hours. We just sat there. Because surely something new's coming back. And at one point we're like, man, that like maple uh, uh, southern bacon, that's going to come back on in about two hours and 30 minutes. So we need to go ahead and sit right here because it's going to come back up in here. Right. And, and, and we sat here and we enjoyed. But here's the problem. We had a plan for the rest of the day that we basically had to throw out. We were going to go see some things. We we're going to take like one of the graveyard tours. Nobody wanted to do nothing. We were we went back to the room. We went back to the room and I watched football with my dad. That's what we did. Because we we said that this is not just something that we can enjoy in the way that we should, but we needed more than we really needed. Best restaurant, loved it, going to go back. But (laughs) you know what I'm saying? We have to learn how to enjoy things in a way that God intended us to and not more than he would want us to. And here's the thing. We have to decide ourselves, what are we really missing? Like, what are you really missing? when you're able to put self-control on something and enjoy it in the way it's supposed to, is the, has the excess ever mattered? Like, like have you ever, like, like you know, if, if you were to think back at, at the, the party you went to or the wedding and, and it's like, you know what, we got to get up for work in the morning. You know what, now nah, we'll save 30 more minutes. Was the 30 minutes really worth it? What are you, what are you missing? Philippians 3.19 says, they are headed for Destruction. And the question of, of what are we missing when it talks about hanging out with the gluttons or hanging out with the drunkards, they are headed for destruction. See, the scripture tells us that this is the end game. And if we are people who know Jesus and, and are, are, are drawn to his word and are committed to his word, we know the end game. Yes, our end game is Christ and, and it's you know, being, uh, being with him and being present with him. But it also gives us, God's word gives us the reality of the destruction of people far from God. So if we know this, why do we want to be there? What, what are we really missing? They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. Man, the, their God is their appetite. Maybe that's the thing that we consider this week, that, that is, is my appetite for, whether it be for food, whether it be for drink, whether it be for whatever desire, I just, I just feel like I need to feed. Is it my God? They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. See, the problem and why we can't hang with the gluttons and hang with the, the drunkards or hang with whoever is, is living the life or or, or, or is uh, over, um, uh, over-intaking the desire that we think that we need, they're only thinking about the present, they're not thinking about the long game. What are you missing? Second question, where do they come for restoration? So if we're in this position where the writer of Proverbs uh, tells us that we're not missing anything. We can't hang out with them, that we should not be there. Then the second question has to be, where do they come for restoration? If, if, if we're eating with the cluttons, or if we're drinking with the drunkards, or if we're giving in to whatever desires and doing just like those far from God are doing, when they get tired of it, who do they turn to? And this is why you have to be resolved in who you are in Jesus. This is why you have to make a decision that who Jesus is and what he wants you to do is going to become your identity. Because if it's not, those that are far from God, that you're connected to, that you see at your jobs, that that are part of your community, that are in your families, when they get tired of living that life, who are they coming to to help them with the, the restoration? Who are they coming to when they want to become uh, when they want to reach peace with God? Who are they coming to? How embarrassing would it be <laughs> for you that uh, a family or, or or a coworker or a friend? They finally get to the point where you're like, I'm tired of living life this way. I am always tired. I am always hungover. I'm always feeling horrible about myself because of my eating habits. I'm, I, like, sin has overtaken my life, and I, I'm, I'm just tired of living this way. There's got to be a better way. And you've been with them the whole time. They should be turning to you saying, hey, could you, could you help me figure this out? I see you living your life in a different way, and you seem like you have a lot more peace than I do. You know, the truth is Lord would want us to, to wake them up. That's what he would want for us. Ephesians 5.14 says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We were put in connection with these folks and the people in your lives, not so that we can, you know, be relatable and do what they do. You've been, you've had a got a great call in your life. You're supposed to be the awakers of the drunkards. You're supposed to be the awakers of the gluttons. Those that, that like, you know, because of their life and they've lived far from God, they're just trying to satisfy. They're trying to feel, fill God-sized holes with other things. And you're supposed to point them in the right direction. That's why we just can't be doing what they're doing. Um, my wife was telling me this story. She's a uh, she's an English teacher, and she's always like reading articles and things. She was telling me that there was this job, and listen and, and stay with me. I'm, it, it's it, the job, in, it was in the uh, before the 1970s um, uh, in, in north in north London, um, by where all the mills are. You could do a job called the knocker uppers. Relax. Uh, knocker uppers were folks that they had a big long stick and they would knock on the windows of those who had to work at the crazy shifts down at the mills. And that was their job, that they were, they were concerned and, and, and they wanted to make sure that these folks, that they were able to go and earn money for their families. So they, it was their job just to tap on the windows of those who had to get up and do their jobs. Because if they don't do that job, people don't get to live their lives and people don't get to do what they were meant to do. And so you would just like, you know, early in the mornings or sometimes late at night because mills worked all the times that you would just see guys with their long sticks and they would just come up with this big long stick and they would tap on the window just a couple times to make sure that the folks who needed to go and do their jobs could do it. Hey, Movement Church family, I I think God's calling us to wake people up. And it's hard for us because in order to get to the point of being willing and able and, and, and focus on the fact that we're supposed to wake people up, that means that we have to die to our desire to do it with them. We have to die to the desire to, to, to be people who, who look at our desires as our God. And it's not just that we take this away because of behavior modification or, or because of anything, but God's saying, I got something greater for you. What actually will be satisfying is seeing people awaken from their sleep. That, that would fill you way more than what you think your desires would be. So here's my question for you. Are you convinced and are you able to see that God's desire for you is to not be sitting in the seat, to, not be, to, uh, um, to be drinking with the drunkards and to be eating with the gluttons, but to be their friend, their brother, their family, their co-worker, that knocks on their window to wake them up. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father God, uh, your design is sometime a mystery to us. God, we have a hard time um, contemplating and understanding who we're supposed to be and what we want in comparison to what you want us to do. But may we have the trust and may we have the faith to go after your will and despise our own. God, we live amongst folks, and and you've called us towards folks that live live in a broken world like we do, and they do things that this broken world does. And the temptation to join them is real. It's not a joke. It is is hard to to continue and continue to say no, especially when we feel like we have the desires to join. But God, help us to continue to to die to ourselves, as your word says. And not just so we can be seen as perfect people or folks that are really good at saying no, but so that we can be folks that help wake those up who, who are clinging to that sin. May we be those that are available for the help in restoring a relationship with Jesus, with you, God. May that be our posture. May that be our desire. And may that be what sustains us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.